Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So... I'm wearing one of our faithful t-shirts to preach in this morning. Have we mentioned that you can sign up to order one of these t-shirts today? All right, we've got the sign-up sheet in the back on your way out. If you want one of these, get signed up as you leave this place. Now, as we think about t-shirts, did you know that when t-shirts first appeared in the late 19th century, they were really only worn as undershirts? Uh, In fact, uh, to be seen walking around in public in a t-shirt was considered to be walking around in public in your underwear, so people just didn't do it. But all of that changed in 1951 with one movie. That movie was called A Streetcar Named Desire. How many of y'all have seen that movie, all right? So in this movie, Marlon Brando, who was 26 years old at the time and considered to be a heartthrob, all right? His character in the movie wore a t-shirt, and not as an undershirt, but as a regular shirt. And that's all it took. And all of a sudden, people began to wear t-shirts, not as undershirts, but they began to wear t-shirts as the shirt. It became the shirt to wear. T-shirts became the epitome of cool. All of that to say, don't I look cool in my t-shirt up here today? (laughs) But let me talk about t-shirts just a little bit longer. So did you know that, that t-shirts, they actually get their name based on their shape? Because when you lay them out flat, they look like an uppercase T. And so, so we call them, what we say about them, the word that we use about them is based on what we see of them. So let me pause right here and ask, as people look at us as both individuals and as a church body, as people look at us, what word could be used of us? What word could be used of us? If we were to lay out all of our actions and attitudes as individuals, or if we were to lay out our mission and ministries as a church body here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, when people look at us, what word could they use of us? So last week, we launched into this new series titled Faithful, and along with this series, I I offered a vision for you to grab hold of for this year. Here's the vision, that we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. Let me say that again, that we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. In other words, that, that when people look at us as Christ followers or, or, or when people look at us as a church body, may it be that the word that they could use of us is this word faithful. As they look at our actions and attitudes, as they look at our mission and, and ministries here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, may it be that people could use that word faithful of us. Now, really, a more important question to ask is what word could God use of us? 
What word could God use of us? As God examines us as individuals, and as God examines us as a church body, as we lay out all of our actions, attitudes, mission, and ministries before the Lord, as he examines us, what word could God use of us? And this is really a more important question because at the end of the day, we can fool people, but we can't fool God. And really, his opinion about us is what matters most. What he says about us is what matters most. And so what word could God use of us? Now, if you were here last week, if you remember, we looked at a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. And in this parable, we saw a master give talents to his servants or valuable units of money to three servants. And to the first two servants that did something for the master with with the talents that had been entrusted into his care, into their care, the master used the word faithful of them. But the third servant who did nothing with what the master entrusted into his care other than digging a hole and burying it in the ground, to him the word that was used by the master was the word lazy. So what word could God use of us? And this parable is where I have pulled this vision for us for this year because as we look at this parable, the heart of this parable, the message that we are to hear from this parable is that as we await Christ's return, we are to be faithful. So I want you to hear this vision once again, that we would be a faithful people in all things at all times, until it's all over. In other words, that from now on until Christ returns, that that we wouldn't just wear a t-shirt that has the word faithful on it. Now, they can be a good reminder for you, but I don't want us to just be a people that wears a t-shirt with the word faithful on it. I want us to be a faithful people so that that at the end of the day and at the end of this life, when we stand before the Lord, when we stand before our master, the word that he could use of us is that word, faithful. And so if we're going to walk in faithfulness, if we're going to be a faithful people, where do we begin? And I think the best place for us to begin as a church is with what we know God has already entrusted into our care. And that would be with our mission here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Now, if you're new with us, we have a simple mission to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. These are four things that we have identified as a church body through Scripture that we have said, this is what we believe God has called us to. And so today and over the next few weeks, we're going to look at our mission statement. Not not for the first time, but we're going to look at it once again. And we're going to be reminded of our call as as individual believers, but also as a church body. We're going to be reminded of our call to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. We're going to be reminded of this call that God has entrusted into our care, that we wouldn't be a lazy people, but that we would be a faithful people. So this morning, we're going to start out with this call to love. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 21. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And as you're turning there, I want to set this passage up for you. 
The book of 1 John was written by the Apostle John, the same one that wrote the Gospel of John. And so John, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. He got to walk with Jesus here on this earth. And and so certainly because John was able to walk with Jesus here on this earth, John had a close relationship and an intimate fellowship with Jesus. And so at this point, as John writes this letter, Jesus has already ascended. He's already gone to heaven. And so John is giving an encouraging reminder that even though Jesus is no longer here on this earth with us, we can still have a close, intimate fellowship with him as our Lord. So let me just pause right here and ask, are you walking, are you experiencing that close, intimate fellowship with Jesus as your Lord? Are you experiencing that, that close, intimate fellowship with Jesus as your Lord? Now, as Baptists, we like fellowships, right? We like to fellowship with one another. We like to get together and we like to eat together. We like fellowship so much that we designate rooms and even buildings just for fellowships. And, and we call them by, by their purpose, the fellowship hall, right? We like fellowships. And, and, and so... There's absolutely nothing wrong with fellowshipping with one another. We're called to gather together. We are called to fellowship with one another. But I want you to understand, there is a greater fellowship to be had, and that is with the Lord himself. So are you experiencing that close, intimate fellowship with Jesus as your Lord? And if you're not, then I want you to hear me. This, this intimate fellowship was made possible for us by Jesus on the cross. And so today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, then I would encourage you to turn from your sins and to submit to Jesus as Lord that you might begin to experience a fellowship unlike any other. So we have this message of fellowship here in the book of 1 John. And within this message of fellowship, we also have this message of true and complete joy and true and complete love. Now, last year, as we walked through the book of Philippians, we talked about this true, complete, and undeniable joy that we can have as Christ followers. But in our passage today, we see this message of love. So as we look at, at, at this mission that God has entrusted into our care here, as we consider this call to love, I think that this passage is really a, a good place for us to begin today. So let's read 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the father that has sent his son as the world savior, 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the, the, the love that God has for us. God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting what we see there in verse 16. Verse 16 says this, God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. So there are two things that I want to say here about this verse. I want to I talk about what this verse uh, does not tell us, what we're not to understand from this verse, and what we are to understand from this verse. So first, we are not to understand that our love produces our salvation. We're not to understand that our love produces salvation. In other words, God is not looking at our ability to love him, and God is not looking at our ability to love others and, and measuring just how well we do in this love and then providing salvation for us or not providing salvation for us based on how well we do in that love. So understand, salvation is not based on our love. Salvation is based solely on God's love. Hear that again. Salvation is not based on our love. Salvation is based solely on God's love. When Christ went to the cross, it was not because we loved him. It was because he loved us. Salvation is not based on our love. Salvation is based solely on God's love. Listen, if, if our salvation was based on our own love, we would surely all be condemned to hell. Because there's not a single one of us in here that is able to love everyone perfectly all the time. But God's love for us is perfect. And so thank God that he doesn't base our salvation off of our own love or off of our ability to love. Rather, he bases it off of his perfect, unconditional, and sacrificial love for us. Now, in that same vein, salvation is also not kept by our own love. Salvation is kept solely by God's love. And I think this is a good reminder for us too. Because if our salvation is based on our own love, and if it's kept by our own love, then some of us would have already lost our salvation when we're driving in the traffic in San Antonio or driving behind someone slow on 123 trying to get to Seguin, right? We would have lost our salvation already. You know who you are, all right? <laughs> So thank God that our salvation is not based on our love and it's not kept by our love. Rather, it's kept solely by God's love. And so if we, if we want to understand, or, or, or so if we're not to understand that, that's, that salvation is not kept by our own love and it's not, it's not produced by our own love, 
then what are we to understand from this verse that says, God is love and the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him? Well, I believe that we are to understand this, that we cannot separate our love relationship with God and our love for others. We cannot separate our love relationship with God and our love for others. Rather, if we have experienced God's faithful love in in our own lives, as a result, we will walk in a faithful love as well. We, We will remain in love. And so I believe that what this passage is calling us to is not some some temporary kind of love. This passage is calling us to a faithful kind of love, a love that remains. And so as we walk through this passage now, we're, we're going to look at three reasons why we are called to have this faithful kind of love. So the first reason we see is that love is from God. Love is from God. Let's read the first part of verse 7 again. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Plain and simple, it's right there. Love is from God. Now, while we are not perfect in, in our love because we are in a fallen state as humans, I do believe that our, our ability, the, this capability that we have to love, I believe that it comes from God because love is from God and we have been created in his image. So if you look at my children, Emily and Ethan, they both have blonde hair. Clearly, they didn't get that from me, right? But even though they, they really didn't get much of their appearance from me, what they did get from me is my sense of humor. So if you don't know this about me already, I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh. If you haven't watched the video of me and Palmer that we posted on Friday, slapping each other with tortillas in the face, all right, go and watch that. I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh. In fact... When I met my wife, Sarah, I told her a joke, and she laughed at my joke, and I thought, I better marry this girl, (laughs) right? I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh, and both Emily and Ethan, they they have that sense of humor like I have. They got that from me. So this ability that we have to love, while we don't do it perfectly all the time, we got that from God. Love is from God. God and love is and, and love is from God because as we saw in verse 16 God is love and so God gives his very nature of love to us but I want you to understand while love is from God and while God is love I want you to hear this love is not God God is love and love is from God but love is not God Love is an attribute of God. It is in his very nature, but love is not God. And this is important for us to hear, especially in the world and the culture that we live in today, because so often love gets elevated to a godlike level in our world. And sometimes it gets elevated to a godlike level in our lives. And really, what I should say is that these feelings of love get elevated to a godlike level level in our lives to the point that we are allowing for for our feelings of love to dictate the decisions that we make even to the point that we might throw scripture out the window simply because scripture contradicts our feelings of love 
And so we have to remember that while love is from God and while God is love, love is not God. And if we are elevating our feelings of love to a God-like level, if we are following our feelings of love, allowing them to be our guide, allowing them to be our God, then we are following a false God. And so what we're saying when we, when we elevate our feelings of love, what we're saying, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is we are saying, love is my God. So hear this again. Love is not God. It's from God, and God is love, but love is not God. Now, the word that John uses here to describe the love that we are called to have for one another and the love that, that is from God and a part of God's very nature is the word agape. And the word agape, it's not a romantic kind of love. It's not even a brotherly love. It is a faithful love. It is a committed love. And so what John is saying here to, to the believers is this. Let's be committed and faithful in our love for one another. Let's be committed and faithful in our love for one another. So, so hear that, not just for any believer, but I want you to hear that for our church right now, today. Let's be committed and faithful in our love for one another. And our example for a committed and faithful love is God himself. L- listen, if you want to know what a committed and a faithful love looks like, look no further than God. I I don't know what kind of home you grew up in. You may not have had the best example of a committed, faithful love in your house, but we can still know and understand what a committed and faithful love looks like by looking to God's word and by looking to God. And so even if we don't see a committed, faithful love anywhere else in this world, we can see it in God himself and so we can understand we can understand what a committed and faithful love looks like god is love and love is from god so the first reason we see that we are called to a faithful love is because love is from god the second reason we see is because god has not spared his love from us god has not spared his love from us let's read verses 9 through 11 again It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. God has not spared his love from us. Listen. This is the gospel. This is the good news for us, that God has not spared his love from us. Because if God had spared his love from us, then we would have no hope for this life and no hope for eternity. Now, to fully understand just how good this news is, we need to understand the bad news. And the bad news is that we have all sinned. We have all, like Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. We have all walked in rebellion. Maybe we didn't eat a fruit from a tree, but we have disobeyed God. And because we have disobeyed God, every single one of us has fallen short of God's perfect and holy standard. 
And because of this, what, what is deserved, what, it, what is owed to us, what we have earned for our rebellion and disobedience is death. Now that's the bad news. Here's the good news, that God has not spared his love from us. Rather, God chose to reveal the fullness of his love by sending Jesus Christ into this world to go to the cross to die for you and for me. God has not spared his love from us. And the word that we we see used to describe Christ's sacrifice on the cross is this word, atoning, which simply put means Jesus paid the price for us. Jesus paid the price for us. So there's a trend that that happens at Christmas time from time to time where you're in a drive-thru And you order your food, and then when you get to the window to pick up your food or coffee, wherever you might be, you find out that the person in front of you paid for your meal for you. Has that happened to any of y'all out there? Right? Happens from time to time. It's always kind of shocking when it happens that the person ahead of us, that someone went ahead of us and paid the price for us. So let me pause right here and say this. Jesus went ahead of you and paid the price for you. When Jesus went to the cross to die on the cross for your sins and for mine, Jesus went ahead of you and paid the price for you. And it's only because he went ahead of us. It's only because he paid the price for us that we have any kind of hope for this life and any kind of hope for eternity. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, as we think about this example of love that God has set for us through the sending of Jesus Christ, as as we think about how God doesn't just love us, but he loves us with a sacrificial kind of love, we are to understand that we are called to love sacrificially as well. We are called to love sacrificially as well. Listen, love is not always easy. Love requires sacrifice at times. Parents, you may make sacrifices for your children, not out of obligation, but because you love them. You sacrifice your time, you sacrifice your energy, you sacrifice your money, but you make these sacrifices for your children because you love them. You may make sacrifices for your spouse. Listen, when you decide to let that one thing go, whatever that one thing might be, but when you decide to let that one thing go, and maybe you need to let that one thing go today, but when you decide to let that one thing go, you are making a sacrifice for your spouse out of your love for them. But I want you to understand what what John is saying here. He's not simply saying that we need to love our children sacrificially, and he's not simply saying that we need to love our spouses sacrificially. What John is saying here is that we need to love one another sacrificially. We are called to love one another in this way as well, which means we don't always seek out our own interests or what we might think is best for us, but we seek out the interest of each other. We seek out what we believe is best for one another. And so just as God has not spared his love 
from us, we are called not to spare our love from one another either. So the first reason we see that we are called to a faithful love is because love is from God. The second reason is because God has not spared his love from us. The final thing we see is, is because true godly love is a product of our salvation. And this kind of goes hand in hand with how I started with verse 16. True godly love is a product of our salvation. Let's look at verses 19 through 21 again. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and, hate, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from, from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. True godly love is a product of our salvation. Here's the bottom line. If your life has truly been transformed by the love of God revealed to us through Christ on the cross, love will be evident in your life. It's not something that will have to be forced. It's not something you do out of obligation. It will be there. If you have experienced the love of God in your life, love will be in your life. We love because he first loved us. So I want you to hear me today. Loved people love people. Loved, loved people love people. If we have received this love from God, it will be produced in our life as well. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, when Paul lists off the fruit of the Spirit, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Some of y'all were saying that with me, right? The very first thing that he says is a fruit of the Spirit is love because love is a product of our salvation. Those who have, who have experienced God's love in their life, they will have love produced in their life as well. So let me pause right here and ask, do you see this fruit of love in your life? Do you see this fruit of love in your life as you examine your own heart and your own actions on a day-to-day -day basis, as you lay out your heart before God, if you're just open and honest with yourself and with God, because God already knows, do you see this fruit of love in your life? And if there's absolutely no evidence of love in your life, then the natural question to ask would be, has your life been transformed by God's love through Jesus Christ? Because loved people love people. And if you truly receive this gift of salvation out of the overflow of God's love for you, you will begin to see this true godly love at work in your life as well. And I want you to understand that here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, from now and until Christ returns, we're, we are going to be a people that, that don't just say that we love, we are going to be a people known for our love. As, as we look at our mission and our call to love that has been entrusted into our care by our master, we are going to be faithful with this call, that we might be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. 
Now, if you would say that, that you have never been transformed by God's love through Christ, if you would say that you have never submitted to Jesus Christ as your Lord, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond to his love this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond to God's love. And maybe you're here today and you would say, that's me. I've never given my life to Christ, but today I understand that, that because of my sin, because of my disobedience, that, that what I, I deserve is death. But God in his great love for me sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And today I'm ready to surrender and submit to Jesus Christ as my Lord. If that's you, then as we sing this song, I would invite you, step out of your seat. Come and join me down front. I would love to talk with you and pray with you so that you can experience the greatest fellowship that you will ever experience as you experience that fellowship with Jesus himself. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, you know what, I've given my life to Christ, but, but as I look at my life, I know there's areas of my life that love is just not there. It's not that you're not a Christian. You know there's love in, in other areas of your life, but you know there's some areas where love has just not been at work in your life, and you need to confess that to the Lord so that you can begin loving, so that you can begin loving not just with a temporary kind of love, but with a faithful kind of love, a love that remains. If that's you, I would love to talk with you as well, or you can talk with the Lord right where you're at, but you can deal with the Lord today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. Now, we don't believe that baptism saves us, but we do believe that it's something that God has called us to do. And so if we're going to love love not just people faithful, faithfully, but if we're going to love God faithfully, then that means following his commands. And, and so if he's commanded us to take that step of baptism, then we want to take that step. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of baptism, then I would encourage you, Come, talk with me. Let's make that commitment together today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. And I know that God is calling me to make this my church home. You know that God is calling you to connect your life with this church body so that you can be on mission with us. So that with us, you can be a faithful people in all things at all times until it's all over. If that's you, if you want to become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, then I would invite you to respond during this time as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.